Hey, Sam. Hey, Teresa. What's up? Not much. My mom was in New York today, which is always a fun time. Uh, it was like a lot of fun to like have her at school, of course, got to take her around. How about you? What have you been up to? Um, yesterday was an insane day because Japanese breakfast came to the Writers' Center at Penn. And my teacher interviewed her and she read from Crying in H Mart and then she played songs for us. And it was like a group of like 30 people. Um, and it was just like awesome. So I feel like I'm still writing off that high. But yeah, we are super excited for today's interview because we will be interviewing Patrick Shiroishi over a cup of pickle juice. Great, let's get into it. So for today's drink, um, I chose pickle juice um, only because I don't know if, if, if you guys have ever had pickleback shots before, but it's basically where you take a shot of whiskey and then chase it with a shot of pickle juice. And it completely, completely takes away all the flavor from the whiskey. And it's actually insane. So if you haven't tried it, I would highly recommend it. Um, yeah, so 10 out of 10 stars for pickle juice. Yeah, I'm like not a huge fan of pickleback shots. I feel like just like if you don't want to drink whiskey, don't drink whiskey. But I am a fan of pickle juice. I feel like pickle juice, even on its own or like after you eat a jar of pickles, I know that's like not everyone's favorite activity, but I like eating jars of pickles. Like the pickle juice after is like the perfect thing to wash it down. So I agree, 10 out of 10 for pickle juice. Not 10 out of 10 for the uh, pickleback shots. Today, we'll be talking to Patrick Shiroishi for the podcast about his newest album, Hidemi. If you don't know about Patrick, he is a jazz multi-instrumentalist specializing in the saxophone, which he plays solo on this album and does a lot of really cool layering and things like that. Um, but in general, he's an incredible artist, been on a lot of different projects this year, and this is not even his first solo project. We're really excited to talk to him about his journey in music and the entire process that went into creating this album and many of the albums that he's worked on this year. Great. Should we call him up right now? Yeah, let's call him up. Good morning. Morning. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you for having me. No, we've been loving the new album. Um, just oh, everything you're doing is so incredible. I'm really excited to like dig into it. So first, we were just wondering if you could tell us about your journey even to music. How did you find um, music and when did you start taking it more seriously? Um, so I, like a good Asian boy, my parents put me in piano at age five. <laughs> Teresa, all right. Me, um, <laughs> yep. Um, but you know, they they uh, encouraged me to to take part in it. You know, all through my childhood, and I think around middle school, at the end of middle school, going to high school, they're like, "All right, you have to make a decision. You know, either sports because I was playing basketball at the time, or music." Um, and I went music, uh, which I'm glad for because I'm you know super skinny, like not tall, you know lanky man so if I chose basketball been a very bad choice um but so I went into music and then uh went uh to college for music therapy and uh, I wanted to do saxophone um but I was too intimidated when I got there um and but 
I uh, continued playing saxophone in like, I guess the LA art rock music scene down here um, at DIY spaces like The Smell and Paris Space. So I was really involved in that. Um, and I mean, I guess taking it seriously would maybe be like 2013. Um, but up until then, I was just playing in bands, you know, for fun. Um, and um, yeah, I think I've always just thought of it as like an outlet for myself, you know, not necessarily like this is how I want to make income. Um, so it's been a very nice way where there are no real boundaries or anything that I have to really keep in mind when I'm creating, you know, or collaborating with other people can be like organic and it can be whatever the fuck I want it to be in that moment. Um, 2013 is when your debut was recorded, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So like once you recorded that, did you kind of know like this is what I'm meant to do? I don't know if it's, if, if I thought, and still if it's, well, no, I guess I do feel like it's, it's meant to do, but um, I think at 2013, I kind of made a decision for myself to release like a solo album every year. Um, I think the the first one releasing it, it was very, I had a lot of doubts and a lot of pressure that I made up in my own head, you know? Um, and I was like, you know, who fucking cares? Like, you know, probably 10 people will listen to it and then, you know, it doesn't matter. So I kind of made this point where I would release like a solo record every year just for myself. Um, and it would kind of track how I was working through things like in real time, like a journal kind of thing, you know? Um, but I just felt uh, like I needed to seem like I was active, you know, even though I knew I was active and, you know, my friends in the LAC knew I was active, but, you know, LA is so small compared to the whole world. No, definitely. And I guess like also that kind of requirement you set for yourself, like how has that changed your relationship with like making music and like, have you like discovered anything new from like forcing yourself to like be active and like continuously like put out albums? Yeah, definitely. Um, I really try really hard not to recreate the same record, you know. Um, so, you know, at first it was just a just saxophone by itself, playing kind of a lot of notes. And later on, you know, I started incorporating guitar pedals. Um, and then I was like, what different guitar pedals can I get? And then eventually incorporating like field recordings. And then one of them, I got my mom to uh, say some uh, poems in Japanese. And I kind of based, you know, each piece off of off of that. And, you know, I don't think or maybe I would have gone there, but I highly doubt I would have gone there if I didn't set, you know, that kind of goal or for myself. Yeah. And I would say talking specifically about this year, like active is like a bit of an understatement. I feel like you've been like really <laughs> extremely active. Yeah, um, I mean, I've been lucky. Yeah, I've been lucky. There's a lot of stuff that happened pre-pandemic and now that things are a little bit more open it's been really nice like I got to go to New York in October um you know and you guys are popping out there I play like three shows I got to do several recording things and it was like really a nice change of pace because I don't know I guess in Los Angeles we're kind of you know laid back you know <laughs> always shining here so it's not like we got to play shows before the winter comes because when the winter comes shit is dead you know it's just gonna be still like you know 70 degrees (laughs) (laughs) yeah but like what has it been like having all of this like very different music out in the world at the exact same time and having listeners absorb all of it 
Um, sometimes I fear that I've gotten to the point where I'm releasing too much in too short of a time, you know, so listeners won't be able to necessarily listen to everything. Um, and I think that is, you know, that's kind of on me. Um, and even with music that I like, I, you know, the internet is a great thing, but the flood of music, like even music that I want to listen to, I kind of get overwhelmed. And then I just don't even check out new things. I'm like, uh, I'm just going to listen to this like pop punk album that I really liked in high school, just because, you know, <laughs> um, but I mean, I'm, I feel lucky that, you know, labels are like willing to take a chance on me that people are still hitting me up. And, you know, even in the quarantine, um, I was able to do like long distance, uh, recordings, you know, and projects. And some of those have really taken off, which, you know, just started as a fun thing to do to stay sane. Um, so that's been really nice. I'm, I'm really, I'm really lucky for sure. And also like, even like throughout all these projects, we noticed that like families seems to be like a theme that always comes up. Um, so yeah, can you talk to us sort of about your, like why you like exploring like familial themes like in your projects and why you think that's important yeah um i mean family to me is important you know um a lot of the recent work has been you know things that my grandparents have went through um uh my parent my grandparents on my father's side they were in the uh, japanese concentration camps during world war ii and I think that intergenerational trauma still affects me, you know? And so I kind of use music as a way to work through the thoughts and feelings and, and kind of express it um, and help me process things. So a lot of that has been about that. Um, and I just think family is, you know, it's super important. My parents, you know, were tough on me growing up for sure. And they still kind of gave me shit for, making music They're like why don't you just relax and stay home you know like why do I have to go out to show this stuff I'm like wow you know um and you know I could totally see that because as a parent if I imagine myself as a parent like I would want the best for my kid you know so I would want them to relax I would want them to you know be financially sound and, and all of these things and music is hard to do that um, especially in you know the genre that I'm in but you know, I think that they really set me up for success and I had a great childhood, you know. Um, and I guess I'm, this is my sort of way of showing appreciation to them, even though if they don't see it that way, <laughs> you know, um, I really, so I really like photos as well. And that's something that I hope I can get into later on, but, you know, uh, the cover for Hidemi is my dad and his father. And I think that photo is so sick, like just perfect, you know. Um, and uh, I released a tape, I think last year, it was my mom with her mom and, and her, her brothers, you know, standing outside, uh, I think somewhere that they just visited. And I thought that photo was actually like, was also like perfect, you know, like, my mom kind of looking goofy and her brothers like, you know, doing whatever and then mom, you know, smiling um and part part of sorry side note I really am lucky with the records that I make too to be able to have friends and you know visual artists collaborate and um add their own thing to the music because I think that really adds a really cool 
element to, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, looking at these photos, like where, like, did you just, was there like a, an archive of like, <laughs> photo, like <clears throat> both of them? It's just so sick. And it's like hilarious also. They just yeah. look like they're just like chilling. Yeah. On the steps and also, I love yeah. that. I know. It's like, it seems like it was taken like recently almost and like put in black and white, just like the, the, the style and also like the yeah. attitude. They have attitude. Yeah, for sure. My dad is like sitting right there. He looks like super pissed. You know, I love that because he, you know, he just loud and he's like, he's a goofy guy. But um, yeah, I, I found that one. My aunt got an email like two or three years ago um, from some family members um, on the East Coast. And they're like, oh, we found these photos, you know. Uh, and then she showed me. And I was like, yo, this picture is sick. Like, I got to use that. So I kind of kept in mind, like, this is, you know, a record cover for sure and I've kind of bugged my mom because I, I like to see she, so she grew up in Japan um, and you know Japan is so different um, how they live and and you know the the landscape and everything and um, I think I really romanticized that and so I've been bugging her for several years about like you know let me see like some photos of like you know you as a kid you know not only to use it as like a record cover but also for to see, you know, and I, I love that how, how, you know, their houses are the, the countryside um, and just wanting to be a part of that more. Um, I think the best is also to go over there and, you know, spend some time, but, you know, being an adult kind of sucks and, you know, money is, <laughs> money is not abundant. So, you know, yeah, for sure. Um, and kind of going off of that family note, obviously this new record is like basically solely concerned with family being dedicated to your grandfather. Um, and I, I know that you've never, or during his life, you never got the chance to meet him. What was it like creating a project about somebody who you never necessarily connected with in person? Um, I think it was easier than than uh how difficult one would imagine um my dad and my aunt told me uh you know a bunch of stories of how he was you know what his um the like the morals that he lived by um and so that i think was kind of ingrained in in my mind as you know as a child and growing up knowing that i was named after him that you know a, not a certain weight, but responsibility, I guess, as to who he was. I was like, yeah, I gotta be like that, you know? Um, and I think this record was more of what I imagined what he went through after the camps, you know? Uh, I, my, grand, my grandmother lived um, and she was in my life for, for a long time, but I asked her about the camps one time when I was in high school because there was like you know one paragraph and I asked her about it and she shut down and so you know as a teenager you kind of got scared like oh shit I made my grandma feel this way so I didn't touch uh on that again and she passed away and I kind of regret that I didn't press her again but at the same time I wouldn't want her to kind of have to relive that and have her communicate what she didn't want to you know 
um, she really tried her best to, you know, give us allowance, you know, show us that we were really loved and supported and everything like that. And I think the camps was the complete opposite, you know. Um, you get to take one suitcase of all your belongings, you know, you're living in a fucking shack um, where it's windy as hell, you know, for years. So I, I totally get it. Um, but I guess hearing that and doing more research on my own, I uh, kind of created what this overall arc of how I must have felt like, um, and then did my best to kind of communicate that through through music. Um, and then also like kind of going off of like communicating these like sort of like unspoken concepts through music we saw in your description your concept of I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly gum on yeah mm -hmm. um and yeah so can you sort of tell us how you came across it and like what you personally interpret the meaning to be in your life yeah I mean I think gaman is something that every like Japanese child you know has 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 kind of grown up with um you know the complaining is not something that you want to do when you're in public right so that's kind of something that you'll hear like you know like just hold it in like just you know suck it up you know we're out in public kind of thing um and i think as so my father's fourth generation and my mother's first uh, and so i feel like i am more outspoken, you know, than uh, someone who grew up in Japan, you know? And so for me, um, I don't think it's that difficult to not come on, you know, especially when, when crazy shit is happening um, here in the States. And a lot of that, like the essay that I wrote and, you know, a lot of the music that I've written is, you know, kind of, in response and uh, aware of, you know, the discrimination that's been happening, uh, not just towards Asian Americans, but, you know, all colored people, you know, it's wild to me still that, you know, it's 2021 and, you know, this Kyle Rittenhouse fucking trial is probably not gonna go the way that, you know, we would hope. Um, and it is definitely, It drains you, you know, but I still have hope that, you know, when, you know, we have kids, if you guys want kids, that it would be a different era that they can live in, you know? Yeah, no, that's definitely a beautiful way of putting it. Um, and I haven't gotten a chance to check out the chapbook that comes with the album, um, but it looks incredible. But can you talk a little bit about what you think that adds to the project? Yeah. Is that a Sunrock poster in the background? Yeah, um, I do like radio programming for WKCR in New York. So we had him in the station once. So that's from that. Yeah, Sun Ra on the station? Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Right, well, after this interview, I, I would love to hear that story. <laughs> I wasn't there for it. It was before my time. But Oh, okay. I was like, how did that happen? No, no, no. Not now. That would be wild. <laughs> how old are you, Sam? <laughs> okay sorry what was the question <laughs> yeah um i was just saying i i didn't get a chance to check out the the essays in the chat book yet but um 
I know that they're a companion piece to the album. So I was wondering what you felt like they add to the project. Yeah. So, you know, the, my gamma essay was like I described earlier and I had this idea um, really. So after the whole, you know, Asian American murders that happened in Atlanta, I kind of was in a weird spot, you know, and I could feel that a lot of my, you know, peers in the scene kind of, felt the same way. So I had this idea where I would invite um, other Asian American musicians uh, in my scene, um, peers, um, mentors, and heroes as well, um, to see if they would be willing to um, write an essay or a poem. uh, And it would just kind of be a a compilation of that. Uh, so I reached out to everyone and thankfully everyone that I reached out to said yes. And it's kind of, it, it's great. I think it's really beautiful. It's very, it's varied, you know, between um, subject and um, form and everyone was really vulnerable with it. You know, um, even people that I haven't really spent time with, you know, um, everyone really opened up and was honest uh, and were true to their feelings. And I think it's really special. I, you know, I was more hyped about that than the actual record at, at you know, different points in, in time, just, you know, seeing this. So I like, I love to read um, and the thought that, oh, I helped publish like a book or a chat book, like it's crazy, you know? Um, but I think it turned out really well. Um, the label is really hyped too, so I think I'm going to try and uh, do a second a second volume. Something of people to ask as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's really beautiful. If anything, yeah, I think people should definitely check it out. Um, quick side note: Are there any books that you've been reading recently that you like, or like, what is like your favorite book or author? Oh shit, uh, Murakami. <laughs> Sorry. Murakami? Stop. That's like the, um, Kafka on the Shore. Yes. One of my favorite books. I literally just got my friend to talk about it. Also, his memoir is the reason why I like started running. Like when I, yeah. I thought, I think Kafka on the Shore is the best one. Norwegian Wood, I feel like is like a second maybe. Mm. But Kafka on the Shore. Yep. That's the yep. one. That's the one. Yep. <laughs> Anyway, Sam was gonna ask a music related question. <laughs> I was just I had to I had to ask. <laughs> um yeah, no, I was just wondering, like the first track, well, all the tracks like struck me, but when I knew like this record was like it for me, was yeah. um to kill a wind-up bird. Uh like that track is just so awesome. Um more comedy but- reference too. Yep. Yeah, I did you, not get the get reference. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe if you read, <laughs> I just love the music. I didn't get the reference, but <laughs> I guess it brought up some questions for me about your composition process because, um, like some parts of that track, like especially the beginning section when everything is like so together, it felt very like rehearsed and um whereas other parts felt very spontaneous and I was wondering during your composition process how much of it is a spontaneous like burst of emotion whereas um versus how much are you like laboring and getting parts of the composition exactly right um for that record so I only had like a day 
and a half to actually record in the space because um, I was borrowing it from from someone. Um, and so I should have done a better job preparing, but a lot of it was, I want to say half of it was either, you know, like a free improv um, or I kind of wrote it there on the spot. Um, there are some like, you know, rhythms and riffs that I, I prepared like a good boy, but most of it was, you know, kind of in the moment. Um, and I kind of like to have that in my music just when I can, I guess, you know, like there are parts in Wind Up Bird and there's parts in Too Late, uh, Too Late Like Yesterday where, you know, things definitely needed to be more or less precise, right? As far as, you know, what the rhythms are so you could hear the hocket and when they change. Um, but like the main Barry melody was, you know, free improvised over that one. Um, the last melody in Wind Up Bird was kind of, you know, spontaneous as well. Um, and I did my best to, well, also time, but everything is either like a first or second take, more or less. Um, so there are some rhythms that, you know, are a little bit off, but, you know, time and, you know, I kind of wanted the record to also sound human. You know, I have this thing where perfection is dope, you know, and it's something that, you know, I think as a, when we're younger, uh, it's something to aspire to, you know, especially if we're a six-year-old playing piano, you know, you gotta do all things right or else we can't move on to the next piece. You know, in college, you gotta, you know, you really gotta feel the section. Um, we're gonna work on it for three months, you know, but you know, a fucking robot can do that. You know, and what's the fucking point if a robot can do that? Because they can, you know, wasn't there a video of some fucking robot playing violin all crazy? Or maybe it was a horn instrument. I don't remember, you know. And so. To me, I can appreciate even other musicians where, you know, something's slightly off or, you know, something's askew. Um, to me, it. Resonates more with me, you know. And so two questions to follow up on that. Like the first is, I guess, like growing up or at least starting with music with a more like classically perfectionist trained background, like how did you like break away from that mindset? And also like, how does that um, idea of like imperfection work in like a group dynamic when like you're working with like other people? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it definitely helped in my favor. Um, so classically, I'm piano right, is classically, and then uh, I studied classical guitar in college, and that's also very classic, but I never studied classical saxophone, you know, and I think since I didn't go down that route, more, I'm more able to kind of split the difference, you know, I think that if my main instrument was piano, I would be, it would be harder to break away from those kinds of things you know I think you know if you're playing it you know naturally it's going to come out right if if you're if you've been practicing a certain way it's more the tendency is there right where saxophone is more like you know I did take some lessons but I was a 
kind of a slacker, I guess, <laughs> um, there. And I kind of did my own thing. And so for me, it's a little easier to not connect the two. Um, in free improvisational settings, as far as making, um, I wouldn't say a mistake, but something that wasn't intentional, right? I think the setting is really great where you can use that to your advantage to move into a different um, place or, you know, whoever that I'm, let's say, playing with, right? They'll hear that and then they can react to it in a different way. And that'll cause like a new section or um, space to happen. Um, and, you know, I've had the privilege of playing with a lot of different people and, you know, different styles and everything like that. And it's, I think it's cool. I think that is what makes it interesting and exciting for me, you know, like playing with someone I've never played with, um, you know, I have to really listen and, you know, know what I'm doing, know what I'm capable of doing, you know, and being able to react. And I think playing with um, new musicians bring something out of me that I didn't necessarily know was there. And then that could help me, you know, develop that in the future and, and, you know, going down a different route that I necessarily wouldn't have gone down. Yeah. Um, that totally makes sense. And we just have a couple more questions. First, um, I've seen like reviews of this popping up all over. What has it been like to have like such a like warm reception to this project that like clearly came so much from your heart? Uh, it's, it's kind of surreal, you know, um, I, sat with the music for a while um and i had a little bit of a difficulty releasing it um i think it was something like really personal and i was like oh, should i release it like does it sound okay like they went through a couple mastering processes my friend felix alazar who did a fantastic job um, and I you know the cover I had the cover and the title and everything and I was like I'm gonna put this music out and it's like my grandfather and my father and it's trash like that's gonna be a bummer you know um, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad it's out it's it's kind of like a weight off my shoulders you know and um, it's kind of been wild that the reception has been you know, really nice. Um, you know, the fact that it's uh, resonating with a lot of people is, it, it feels kind of nuts, you know? I think a lot of the music that I make is, you know, like I mentioned before, it helps me process things. It helps me work through my feelings. And um, the fact that anyone can get anything out of that, um, you know, is, is wild, you know, and I'm really appreciative of, you know, you guys for listening to it and, you know, looking back at older covers and, you know, seeing my family and, you know, all the publications that are writing about it. Um, yeah, I didn't think that would happen, you know. Maybe one day we can get Mirakami <laughs> to listen. Yo, I let think... me in on the Zoom call. Just, I'll just, you know, be <laughs> at the corner. Like, I'll, I'll just, yeah, I won't even be on. Just be like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he used to own, he used to own a jazz bar, didn't he? Yeah. 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 
I should send uh, him my record. No, you should. I feel like it's totally doable. He'll get the reference because he wrote the book. <laughs> you know, so that, no problem with that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, our last question is just like, um, what are, I mean, you just released a lot of projects, obviously, but is there anything that you're up to for the rest of the year? Or if not, like, what are you most excited for? Uh, I'm getting married in December. What? Oh my God. Congrats. Thank you. That's so cute. Yeah, we're excited. Um, sorry, musically. Um, I got <laughs> you're like fuck this marriage. Let me <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I have a few records um done. Uh there's a couple things that are at like the pressing plant that's been, you know, the, the delay has been insane. But this uh kind of ambient record that I did, uh shouldn't have to worry my parents uh uh is coming out on on vinyl, uh, which I'm very excited about. Um, I have a duo with, uh, it's a soprano sax duo with uh, Marta Tysenga. We recorded during the quarantine um, in like this reverbed out parking garage. Um, so it sounds like we're in a cave and we're kind of mimicking each other. I'm really hyped about that. Um, I have a quintet record coming out in the spring with uh, Chris Williams, Jessica Ackerley, Luke Stewart, and Jason Nazary, which is dope. And then I'm working on a, another solo record, um, kind of working through, you know, other feelings and things. <laughs> but yeah, wow. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. Um, I think I'm gearing up towards, uh, so after we get married, my wife is going to go, or my future wife's going to go on tour. And after that, we're going to try and have a child. Um, so once that happens, you know, time is going to be, spent in a very different way um so i think i'm trying my best to utilize all my free time as i can um to be productive um and yeah yeah well we're so excited for everything um thank you for taking the time to join us really appreciate it no thank you for your time Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Two Virgins. We hope you enjoyed getting to know Patrick Shurishi and check out his album, Hademi. You can find this episode on our website, quarantinecontent.com or on our weekly newsletter, The Q. See you next week.